0: Rolling Dice and Taking Names is sponsored by The Broken Token, creator of high quality gaming accessories and storage solutions. Visit them online at TheBrokenToken.com. Hey, y'all. In the past couple of weeks, I played Codenames Duet, Dream On. What are you doing? I'm doing my flying squirrels. Yeah, well, that's, that's two minutes. You don't have that much time. Okay, fine, then. In this episode of Rolling Dice and Taking Names, Tony returns from vacation. The guys review London second edition, Azul, and give their flying squirrels. I promise we'll have you on in the future. Hello, and welcome on by Rolling Dice and Taking Names. Das S episode 129. I've been Tony. Lord.
1: So you, you go out of town... Oh, this is Marty, by the way. And all of a sudden, you think you can talk German. Do you want me to get my son, Travis, up here, who's in second year of German, to teach you how this is done?
0: I needed Travis. Actually, the English over there was better than my English. So...
1: Uh. <laughs> you got to give it to Europeans. They talk multiple languages while as stupid Americans. If we can just get one down somewhat okay
0: then we feel good about ourselves. And I agree with you. I really did. I tried to learn various you know expressions in German when I was on my trip and by the way, thank you for finding coverage on that. Oh, and this is Episode one twenty nine, like I just stated, ain't no sunshine. I know, I know, I know, I know,
1: I know, I know, I know, I know, I know, I know. He does that twenty six times in that song. Is
0: that still the record? Is it? I didn't know. Was it a record? At one time, Casey Kasem uh, said it was, but I don't know if it still is. So here's the thing: for anybody that's ever been in a cover band,
1: Bill Withers is a is an artist that a lot of people like to cover. He has a lot of songs people like to do. I got so sick. Of playing that song. Number one, it's only like a a three-chord song, which is boring to play. But when you get to the I know, you're just sitting there looking at the vocalist. I know, I know, I know, I know, I know, I know, I know. It's like, oh my gosh, when's this going to be over so we can play like Love Shack or something?
0: Why did I pick it? I have no idea. Ain't no sunshine when I'm gone. I was gone. You had no sunshine. I don't care that Rich covered for me. I was gone. There was no sunshine in your life. Okay, because I was gone. I did miss you. Yeah, I'm sure you did. I was trying to find people to play games with. I kept walking around the
1: house going, Vanessa, do you want to play a game with me? I'm busy, Marty. Go play with your friends. My friends are here. (laughs) They don't want to play with me.
0: Hey, at least you weren't stuck on a boat for 15 days getting to play O Pasha and O Pasha. Oh, I did get to play a couple other games, um, like, um, Valley of the Kings the first time. That was exciting. We got to do that one time. And also the other reason why I chose Ain't No Sunshine hmm? is because we're going to talk about a new game by the, well, it's not a new game. Osprey Games is bringing back the Martin Wallace game, London, and it's always raining in England, they say. So there ain't no sunshine. When I'm gone, I know, I know, I know, I know, I
1: know, I know, I know. know. (laughs) Oh my gosh! I'd sit there just at the keyboard, like, what do you do at this point? Just like, do you vamp on this one chord over and over? I don't understand. I like to ask Bill, why? Well, I mean, why did you get stuck on a lyric? And it's like, I just got to fill in uh, some words here. I know, I know. And then he went on for like 26 more times. Yeah, we'll keep that one. That's a good take. Yeah. Yeah, that's a wrap. Keep it. It's good.
0: Because who wants to hear him do it again? Uh, let's take number 26 of the I Know 26 Times. <laughs> oh, man. I could see the producer now going out of his mind. But thank you, Rich, for filling in for me. He did an outstanding job, a professional job, unlike what well, like I could do. I mean, you're already giving me pointers on it. At least I remembered to hit my record button. When it was time to record,
1: oh, that hurt. Let me, oh, by the way, let me check that. Yeah, yeah, okay, we're good. We're good. It's, uh, it's happening over here. Yeah. Hey, there is one thing though that did not happen on the last episode. I don't think, and this may be the first time in the history of RDTN, I don't think food was brought up. And because of that, there were not a lot of comments on our guild about that episode because it takes a food drop. To get our guild going. Because, Tony, on the last episode that you you were here, we spent 30, 45 seconds of an hour and a half episode talking about Coke Zero. And what was the topic on the guild (laughs) about what's better, Coke
0: Zero or Zero Sugar? The next time we're together, face-to-face, mano-a-mano, we are going to do a Facebook live stream, if we remember how, of a blind taste test of that. We're going to do that. We're going to make that happen. Can we make that happen? Yeah,
1: I think that'd be great. Because I was actually thinking the other day, I wonder now if I can tell the difference between the two. I, I don't know that I can. I'd like to try and see if I can figure out which one's which.
0: I would too. And I still have stored away original Coke Zero. So we can get, definitely get the Zero Sugar Sugar Zero or whichever it is. and And we'll do that. We are going to do that. Now, did you know that Diet Coke... It's called Coke Light in Europe. I did
1: know that. And I do not understand why Diet Coke still even exists. That's some of the most horrible tasting drink I've ever had compared to this Coke Zero Zero Sugar. I just don't understand how people still drink that when there's another option.
0: Well, when you put lime in it like we have here, uh, but but I I was going to say, I thought you said you were curious why they call it Coke Light over there. I found out why they call it Coke Light. Why is that? Because when you say Diet Coke to a German... And you say it the way I did, you end up with three regular Cokes. Because it sounds like the number three, which I think is, we have to get Travis in here, but I think he says dry, or I think that's three. I'm not 100% sure, but that's what somebody was telling me. And I was like, get out of town. So I ordered some sausage and sauerkraut and... Diet Coke. And next thing I know, I've got sausage, sauerkraut, and three Cokes. I'm like, okay, something happened. There was something wrong here.
1: Uh, the only thing that I remember that I looked, picked up in Europe is when you ask for water, you got to ask for water, no, no bubbles.
0: Yes, you do. You have to do that. And it costs you 50 cent euros to go potty. Oh, they charge you now? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And boy, they get—they don't like it when you don't pay their 50 cents. Mm-mm. Or 50 euros. 50 cent euros. I don't know what it's called. 50 euros is a lot, Tony. That's like 60 bucks to take a leak. That's very expensive. 50 It's not 50 cent euro. I don't know. Okay, enough about that. I, I hate you weren't <laughs> along with me. I got to see... Cologne, we're going to talk about it in our Flying Squirrel segment, one of the stores I got to visit, and the fact that it didn't have Strike, but that, we'll we'll digress to that later. And I cannot believe that you played Seventh Continent without me. You know I would have been all over a 13-hour marathon game. As we were playing this game, I told the
1: guys on our Scurry Report, Mark and Nate, just like, I don't know if Tony can make it through this because... There is a lot of discussion as that game goes on. So you flip over a card and you're spending three minutes trying to decide what to do. And I, I told them I could just, if Tony's here, it's like, hurry, hurry, decide. Just do something. Go. What do you want to do? It's your turn. Go.
0: I could just see it now. And if you had kept reading the flavor text, I'm sure it would have been blah, 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 flavor, blah, 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 blah. But I know it was good because I listened. I actually listened to the last episode. Did you listen at two times speed? No, I didn't. I didn't
1: I don't need to. Well, I appreciate that. Because some people, I've heard <laughs> Rodney Smith and Watcher played, listen to our stuff at two times speed. And I don't think that is Honoring our craft. I told him, I don't watch your videos at two times
0: speed. You just skip through them. i mean hey let's face facts i mean okay rodney yes, set up i don't care i can read that in a book okay (laughs) i understand you're setting it up for two players because you can't handle four players um okay very nice thank you for covering london can we speed this along a little bit Uh, josh gets games does he got that does he got it covered (laughs) john gets games john john my bad and Travis, oh, nice report by Travis. Oh, why am I reminiscing over the episode I wasn't on? Because, ah, I got to be an audience. I do have a question, though. Is Seventh Continent, can it offer replayability, or can I jump in for y'all, where y'all are left off? Not in
1: our current game, you cannot. But the beauty of this is is if once we finish this curse, win or lose, you could just jump in. So it's not a campaign game, per se. It's just that when you start a campaign, you probably need to stick with those players, And let them finish it out. But there's four to, we got four to six curses that you can play. You can just jump in anywhere. So it's not like a game where it's like, You needed to play in this previous edition to find out what's going on. You may not know what the island looks like because we've seen it, but that doesn't matter. So I would love to sit down with you and play it sometime. And like we said in the last show, Nate and Mark still want to sit down and try to to finish this thing out. It was just, it was getting long in the tooth, man. After six hours, even
0: I was, my butt was getting a little antsy. I can understand that. You're going along and you're playing, even though, no matter how many times you felt like it was really a neat game. Yeah. I, I and, and once you once you start once you start with that word it is hard to stop oh, that was funny I was laughing I was like oh you go guys keep it going um what else did I miss while I was gone I tell you what
1: uh, you didn't miss and that was uh the uh, results of the uh, movie contest from earlier in the year from what do we change the name to
0: uh screening streaming or st- Steaming. For those who haven't seen,
1: it's a contest that we have where we go through the summer movies and myself, Tony, Chris Kirkman from Dice Hate Me and Dan Patrice from Geek All Stars pick three summer movies uh, that they think is going to make the most over the summer. And last year I won. And this year, as a result of me winning last year, I had the last pick each round and uh, that didn't seem to make much of a difference because
0: I won. Uh, I won again. Oh, I'm champion. That is wrong. First pick and last pick. We saw this in fantasy football. Usually on a serpentine draft, they have that distinct advantage of being able to go back-to-back choices. I cannot fault your logic.
1: I I totally agree. When we never did serpentine drafts in fantasy, I loved being either last or first because you could get that back-to-back and you haven't got to worry about somebody taking something from you. So, But thank you, Wonder Woman. Uh, Basically, I don't know how in the world that fell to me to the fourth spot for me to take but uh that was my savior right there and oh my gosh out of the blue i just took a shot on it because christopher nolan movies typically do well dunkirk kicked butt have you seen it yet oh yeah uh, when
0: it first came out we saw it opening night incredible movie incredible movie but what's really surprised me no one picked this and which is killing me is how well it is doing at the box office was it included as a summer movie option? Yeah, it was the last movie that was listed on our sheet that we could pick. And I'm like, oh, it's a, it was a horror film. It, it was at the very end. So it's not going to get, because, you know, we only run it for so long after that. Well, to the end of September. I'm like, oh my gosh, it's busting $200 million. That would have, oh, that would have been a sweet pick. And I, I would have never thought that because The Dark Tower, it, it kind of fell flat. And Oh, don't ever razz the Transformers again. Why is that? Because they did so well for you.
1: Yeah, but that's the worst a Transformer movies has ever done.
0: I think it's done. I hope they're done.
1: Well, I'm just saying that I remember when they uh, compared it to uh, that opening weekend when it came out and they compared it to the previous Transformer movies, it was way down. And I thought, oh, I am so dead. But again, Wonder Woman really carried me through with that. Actually, I mean, it did still did well. It still made over $100 million, But, but still. So, yeah, that was uh, a lot of fun. And thanks to uh, all those that kind of follow us along. And then those that were in the contest early this year with the Wonder Woman uh, contest. And we'll be, of course, doing it again next spring when we have our big, what is it, screening, streaming or steaming.
0: <laughs> That's it.
1: Maybe we should have kept the other name. I can't ever remember it. Um, <laughs> yeah. so, so,
0: screaming, streaming, or steaming. There you go. Screening. Screening. Yes. Not screening. Did you say screaming?
1: Not sc- oh, Why would you be screaming. Matter. Screening. Like
0: I'm screening. sitting there at the movie theater
1: watching the screen. Screening, streaming, or. Yeah. Hey, guess what? Uh, what? So on Twitter the other day, uh, Restoration Games was talking about their code names uh, for some upcoming titles. I-,
0: I thought CGE did code names.
1: Squirrel. Uh, so Vanessa and I have been playing Code Names duet. We had played like eight games in a row, and had yet to win and we finally won over the weekend and I'm glad we did because if we hadn't I don't think Vanessa would have ever played that game again
0: oh I could understand that because you've got to win eventually yeah and here's the thing we did a house rule it's
1: in it's in the rules I'm sorry it wasn't strict we did allow proper names uh, I know you're only supposed to give like one word proper names but we were we were allowed the titles to be given. Just okay. so we could get a win. And Vanessa gave an awesome, awesome clue. Three of her words were let me see if you can guess what, what the clue might be. It was, a, it was a it was a three. The three words she was giving me was trying to get me to say were Astronaut, Eden, and Wish. Can you guess what clue she might have given me?
0: Oh, astronaut Eden or Wish. Astronaut Eden or Wish. Yeah. Uh she would have she would have she would have said genie. I dream of genie. Yeah, I would have just said genie. But yeah, I dream of genie. Yeah, that
1: was an incredible clue because as soon as I saw, oh, okay, hold on. For you young people, I dream of genie was a TV show made back in the '60s that Tony and I didn't watch when it came out, but we did watch on reruns when it was out in the '70s. And Barbara Eden was the star of the show, whose master
0: was an astronaut. Ta-da! And that's how it all tied together. And you know, if it hadn't been for Hogan's Heroes. I may have been even at a bigger disadvantage when we were over in Germany, but let's go back to Restoration's games. Oh yeah, that's what we're talking about, right? Hey, there was there was a there was a little squirrel moment there because we've got something for our for our fans here. We've got something for the audience that is an awesome opportunity and that you know all about that I sort of kind of followed.
1: <laughs> so Restoration, we somehow we were talking about code names. Uh, Restoration games have brought up a, a, a code name of what one of their projects were. So, you know, they, sometimes publishers give code names to projects like Eric Lang told us that with Godfather, it was project briefcase for, for obvious reasons. Cause it got the little, or suitcase project suitcase, suitcase. Cause it's got the little suitcase inside the game. So Justin Jacobson, who's the head of restoration Games, said, well, by the way, here was our code name for some of the previous projects. And he said, Oh, and by the way, here's four, uh, the code names for our next four projects. And they're, the codenames are Blue, Samson, S-A-M-P-S-O-N, Adam, and Wallace. And so just for fun, I put on Twitter, it's like, hey, and on Facebook, hey, what do you think these four games probably are? People are having fun, trying to guess what they are. Justin contacted me privately. He said, hey, that's really cool what you're doing. He says, let's make this a real contest. I said, okay, what are you thinking? And he said, run a contest for me. If somebody can get all four games, if they can... Uh, pick the correct games that those project names are associated with, we'll give them all four games after they come out. So that's what we're going to be doing. We're going to be running a contest. Uh, We're going to have a form on our website that's going to run until the middle of November to where you can guess what game you think is associated with each of those. Now, the thing is, though, some of those won't be announced till next year, but he wanted us to go ahead and have the project or the, the contest done and completed so that when they the names start coming out, you know, people can't cheat or whatever. I said, What happens if somebody doesn't get all four? Can we still give away a prize? And he said, Yes. He said, What can we do? I said, Well, how about this? For every correct entry that you put in. So let's say you guess two of the four, you'll get two entries into the contest, and then we'll randomly pull one winner, and that winner will get their choice of a restoration game. So there it is. If you get all four, Correct. You'll get all four of the new games that are coming out. Otherwise, if that didn't happen, then we'll draw one winner based on the number of correct answers you did put in. And one of those people will get one restoration game. I thought that was really cool of him to offer that.
0: Oh, I agree. And it's kind of neat. It keeps driving business because, you know, we'll be talking about it on the show. I think, well, how far is this going to run out there? We're going to run it to like mid-November-ish time frame? We'll get in before, yeah, get in before the holiday startup?
1: Yeah, let's let's give everybody like a month until they really reflect and work on it. And like I said, we really won't know the real winner until uh, uh, early sometime next year. But Hey, that'd be cool if, uh, you know, a couple months from now, a few months from now, when all four are announced and you go, wow, I just won all four of those
0: games. Be a sweet little prize. Especially since you forgot about it. It'd be kind of like getting a Kickstarter where you kind of suddenly, all of a sudden this box appears on your thing. What is this? Oh yeah, I paid for that three years ago. <laughs> <laughs> we'll be like, okay. So I, I tell you what, why don't we run this thing? I, if I remember to shut it down, we'll run it through November 17th. Okay, that'll be the last day any... Anybody can enter, type in on our Google form that we'll have a link to on our webpage. Go there, you'll type in the various names you think that are associated with the code names. We'll have it all built out for you. Of course, an email will be required and we do not share, sell, because like anybody's going to buy our email addresses. Be a nice way to kind of supplement the show for next year. Don't
1: uh, don't even say that.
0: I'm kidding. I'm kidding. We don't do that. I wouldn't even know how to do it. I wouldn't even know who to contact to do that. No, that's true. That He is being
1: honest, 100% honest there.
0: All right. So our vacations always have some type of drama associated with them. Whenever we go on vacation, when we took Rebecca on a cruise to the mediterranean when we got there we got on the boat and then the guy and we were supposed to be sailing out the guy comes over the captain comes over and says folks got a little problem the boat's not going to start I don't know. I I guess he needed to jump something or whatever, so we got to spend an extra day in port, so forth and so on. So we're getting ready to go on this vacation, getting ready to go to a river cruise with Viking cruise ships. We go to the Charlotte Douglas Airport. International, right, Marty? You've done international flights. You do that all the time.
1: Oh, yes, I've done international flights.
0: So how, how early do you need to get there? Typically, I usually get there two and a half, three hours early. All right, so we're there two and a half hours early. It's me my wife, our friends, uh, Tobin and Leanne. We all go up. It's all been booked through AAA, and we walk up to the counter because it's all part of one big package, and we walk up to the lady, and we go hey, how you doing? She goes, good. I see y'all are ready to go on a big vacation. We go, yes, we are. We give her her names. We go, yes, we need to go from Charlotte to Atlanta, Atlanta to Amsterdam, Amsterdam to Budapest. And we need to check these big old bags. And she goes, okay. She pulls types in her names. And next thing we hear is, uh, uh-oh. Exactly. She goes, for some odd reason, we see you in the system going Charlotte to Atlanta, And then in 15 days, we see you doing Amsterdam to Detroit and Detroit to Charlotte. And we're like, well, how are we getting to Amsterdam? And she goes, that's a good question. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm thinking this is going to be one of the shortest vacations I've ever taken five hours to the airport and back. Come to find out, KLM had canceled our flights back in July. They had pulled, we were still in the system but they had taken us out of the flights. And she goes, I see you, but you have no seats. The flights are full, but you're part of the full. So we've just got to get this work. We've got to get you in the system again. An hour and a half later. Oh, and I'm like, okay, there better be something coming here. We better be getting something. I think I got a hot towel on the flight. Or I was told everybody everybody was getting hot towels on the flights. Not even some flight. nuts
1: or anything. Not an upgrade or anything like that. I got didly.
0: I got to, I got the Budapest, which was good. So I was like, holy cow. So anyway, that was the drama of my flight.
1: Well, yeah, well, here's the thing. There's a lot worse things than that. If your luggage got there. And yep. you weren't missing flights and having to put on standby and, and waiting around for an extra day or so. There, there's a lot worse.
0: If if it was an hour and a half at the beginning of your trip, that's not too bad. I mean, in everything that's going on in the world, I'm not complaining. It was just funny that this occurred. It seems like always something. But, yes, we made it. It was great. Um, that's why I just stay home. <laughs> no, you drive or fly to places like Pax Unplugged. I still got to book a book of flight for that. Hmm. you could yeah you you haven't done that already no well you gotta wait six weeks before
1: man that's when the good deals are six weeks before
0: i uh, you better get on that because you're going to boston and then getting in the uh, in the love van getting in the 60s psychedelic van with <laughs> rodney and jamie <laughs> the, and matt evans
1: the, the love van let's let's not call it that let's <laughs> okay, not make that a thing van. okay yeah, let's do that. We could do that like the uh the mystery van.
0: Mystery machine. The mystery machine. There you go. Oh, and I was in Amsterdam. I could have hooked you up with some of that mystery machine. Stuff. Uh yeah, you could. Just go to a, a coffee shop somewhere, right? Yeah, go to a coffee shop. And nothing is funnier than having walking through the red light district with someone who has no clue what's getting ready to happen. Why would you even walk through the red light district? Because we had to get to the zoo where our hotel was. Well, you walk, didn't walk during the night, did you? No, no, no. Okay, okay. And it doesn't matter. Never mind. It doesn't matter. It's 24-7 there. No, that's true. Before we continue on this, I'll end up covering something that I want to cover and flying squirrels so we gotta get we haven't done those in a while have we no we
1: haven't i'm going to be a little bit rusty but i've got a lot of things i got to talk about and i just hope i can cram each one of those into two minutes so let's see if we can shake the cobwebs off and uh, see if we can get through one of those
0: it's time for flying squirrels two minute discussions on topics that have our attention for
1: now Something we hope you'll really like. This is our special segment called Flying Squirrels, where Tony and I will each pick a topic and discuss it for two minutes because, well, otherwise we'll ramble on like we did in that intro segment. So, uh, to get started, I'm going to kick us off. Tony, are you ready?
0: I am ready, and you are exactly right. That was some. uh, We should have called that just Rambling Man instead of Ain't No Sunshine. You know, I know, I know, I know, I know, I know, I
1: know, I know. Here we go. On Game of Sutra, I just found this uh, article that talks about the global board games market. And they're projecting that there's going to be a compound annual growth rate in this market of 9% from 2016 to 2022. That means every year they're expecting a 9% growth. Now, Tony, you and I have been expecting this bubble to burst.
0: And it looks like these forecasters are going, nope, it's not going to burst anytime soon. I mean, that's a better return than the stock market, if I'm not mistaken. That's, that's pretty good. 9% growth. Well, that's not return. Rate. That's growth. That's a Okay, big that's, it's better than the stock market growth, okay? I, uh, fine. Okay. Fine. All right. So it's not going to burst. That's what I'm hearing. It's not going to burst.
1: And I was looking at an article. They talk about the reason why. And they said one of the things is, is that because the general population finds it's very easy to get into board games. They can walk into Target. They can walk into Walmart. They understand what a board game is and are more likely to pick up and take a chance on it. And because there's so many cool board games coming out, well, the, the, the market just continues to grow, but also Kickstarter is driving force. There have been so many successful projects on Kickstarter that investors are saying, oh, wow, look at some of these board games making millions of dollars in their Kickstarter projects. And it's like, I want a piece of that.
0: And they should. So they're telling us investors, not that it's going to be in any of my 401k investment plans or anything, that maybe I should go invest in a board game company. Is that what I'm seeing? If they make an uh, a independent, what is it, an IPO? I guess maybe Hasbro or Mattel may be worth investing in. But they do a whole lot
1: more than board games. But here's another interesting fact too I thought was uh, interesting. They said another driving factor is The high average life cycle of a board game, the board game they expect to be around for about eight years and with like product expansions, 10 years, that's a long lifespan for one board game. If you think about it, even though we jump on new games real quick, eight to 10 years is probably about right.
0: Yeah. And you're right with the expansions coming on, it can go on and then you've got the re-release. If there's a hot game that you put on the shelf and and it goes out of print, boom, drop it again. Like we're going to talk about with London. (laughs) I know you're tired of me talking about my vacation, Marty. I've already rambled on and on about that. But you gave me one thing I needed to do for you while I was over there. And that was find some authentic, Stroop waffles, right? Yes. Michael Legg sent us some Stroop waffles, and you were like, man, these are good. And this is a treat that, you know, I could, I could find anywhere over there. But when I was in Amsterdam, supposedly that's the whole area where it comes from. So I'm walking around all these bakeries and I'm looking for Stroop waffles. Now I see waffles, Belgium waffles, waffles, everything is in the bakery. They've got these waffles. They got waffles dipped in chocolate. They got waffles, they were very good, by the way. And I'm like, oh, look, here's some Stroop waffles. They were the exact same Stroop waffles that you could get in Aldi's here in North Carolina. Wasn't anything special, man. Uh, yeah. So that's the thing.
1: I uh, give my son Travis some of these Stroop waffles, and he happens to work at Harris Teeter. And he went, "Yeah, they're like on aisle five, Dad." I like, what? And he went, "Yeah, you can just go buy these anytime you want to." So, you know, here I was, thought I was getting some sort of really cool thing that we can't get here. Like, Travis was like, yeah, I'm going to get you a discount and bring you some all next time.
0: <laughs> okay. They're in the packs. And then I, when I was in one shop, I, my wife goes, man, these are really good. And I know you got some at home. I go, yeah. And so we asked the guy, he says, now, are these Stroopwafels, are they made for your shop? Are they made here in the shop? And he goes, no, but they're made specifically for me. And the other 70 shops in Amsterdam, I mean, come on. They weren't made specifically for you, dude. You went down to the local Rewa or whatever, the O grocery store, and you picked up some waffles. So, dude, I'm sorry, Marty. I did not bring you any waffles home because you can pick them up at Harris Teeter or Aldi's. Even though I don't play a lot of video games anymore—
1: This has been a big nostalgic month for me, Tony, with video games. I'm a huge Metroid fan, and there hasn't been a regular, like, side-scroll Metroid since 2004. Well, Metroid Samus Returns just came out for the 3DS. I got it and love it. I just love Metroid. Was so excited to get that. And then right on its heels, we got the SNS Classic that just came out. Now, Vanessa and I did go stand in Walmart at... uh, for about three hours on midnight, the night before it was released, so we could pick up one, and we got one. And I just love that little system. Uh, I love playing the the old Zelda games and F-Zero and and Punch-Out!!
0: You need to come over here sometime and play with me, because I think you'd get a kick out of it. If I get over there, I will be playing board games, not something you and I played back in college. And by the way, which brings me to an interesting point, what the heck is on your face? It, that's that's a
1: totally, de- hey, don't be using up my <laughs> two minutes for that discussion. So let okay. me move on. If you want to waste a two-minute flying squirrel on that, we can do that. Also, nostalgia, <laughs> the Guild Wars 2 expansion just came out. And Guild Wars was a game that Tony and I played, oh gosh, 10 years ago. And then Guild War Two 2 came out. And then the expansion came out, which takes you back to a map from the original game. I picked it up. Oh, Tony, if you ever play Guild Wars 2 again, you've got to get this expansion. It's The Desert and the music's all there and it has all this nostalgia. It is such a good expansion. Jumping back into that game has really made me appreciate what that game for what it was. So, you and I need to get done you need to get the Guild Wars 2 expansion. We need to go and play the the latest one again cuz I think you'll enjoy it.
0: I'll tell you what, I will put that on the wish list but right behind that new computer that can run Guild Wars 2. That's what I really need. But yes, I won't go back and play Guild Wars 2. That, oh, was such a good game. Okay, I'm not done talking about my vacation because, Marty. Oh, jeez. Whatever. Amsterdam, I was going to a board game store, and it was Friday night, and they closed at six o'clock. That blew my mind. Okay, fine. So I couldn't do that. But I did go to one in Cologne, Germany, called Brave New World, and it it was easy to find. It was right near the cathedral. Matter of fact, our buddy Rodney Smith, who we've already mentioned in the show, is going to be going there with him when he goes over to Essen. You know he's doing that big mega geek nation trip. you know about that? Uh,
1: yeah, yeah. I hear about it all the time. Hey, I'm going to Essen. I'm going on a big geek nation trip. Look at me. I'm Rodney Smith.
0: By the way, I still have his shirt that he left in the hotel room. I need to get to you so when you see him, it packs <laughs> unplugged. So, okay. anyway, brave new world incredible game store. I mean, they had some stuff from GMT, DVG, all these war games. They were just amazing. You had the Warhammer. You had the War Machine. You had all these incredible games. I was looking for some classics. They didn't have those. They didn't have Strike, Strike One, against them. But I asked the guy who was working there, I said, okay, you've got to hook me up with a game that everybody will be jealous of over in the U.S., that I can bring home and say, "Ah, oh, look what I got, guys! Look what I... Eric, come play my game with me," and he goes, "Yeah, I, I think I got something for you there." You know, what he pulls out what terraforming Mars. I didn't <laughs> <ain't> get that. <laughs> uh, what are you looking for? Some like some type of Euro game?
1: Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you're known for we're in Germany that's what you're supposed to be known for come on man figure this
0: out so anyway I figured out what the problem was they're getting ready for S, and so he didn't have any new stock but that was an incredible store Rodney enjoy it when you go to a brave new world you will be like oh man this is so incredible
1: speaking of nostalgia and video games a nostalgic store that Tony you and I used to frequent a lot is Toys R Us uh, you and I used to go in there and, you know, we used to invest in toys thinking it would be good for our future.
0: Oh, yes. The Todd McFarlane spawn action figures or better yet, the little micro machines. Oh, so much. We would get over there in time to hopefully get the new releases. And when they're opening the boxes, yeah, that didn't pay off. I know. Well, it didn't work out for us.
1: And not only did it not work out for us, I don't think it's working out for them. They just filed for Chapter 11 bankruptcy. They owe a lot of money to suppliers and they are hurting now because they need a big Christmas to save them. But like, for example, they owe a Hasbro $59 million and Mattel is about $136 million. And so now these companies don't want to necessarily give them a lot of product to put in their stores because they're not making may not get their money back. So they're kind of in a catch twenty two situation and I feel kind of bad for those guys. I don't I'd be sad if Toys R Us goes away.
0: Yeah, I understand, but when was the last time you set foot in a TRU?
1: Every once in a while, I go in there and get the smell. There's a smell to a Toys R Us store. I just can't explain it. I just, it's very nostalgic. Now, they are trying to get people like you and I back in there because they're setting up a geek corner. They're actually trying to get like the the Funko toys and stuff in there, and it's called the Fan Vault, where they're trying to get like anime products and stuff in so that for those people who like to spend a lot of money on those type of collectibles, they hope that we'll come in there and save them. I, it may be a too little, too late. I guess we'll see, but it will be sad
0: if, if Toys R Us goes away. Stick a fork in them. They're done.
1: No, not Toys R Us.
0: All right, Marty. One of the things we talk about in Kickstarter is customer service. Sometimes you question that. Sometimes you wonder, am I going to get good customer service when I back that? Now I'll admit, you know, 10 years ago, you got your Arkham Horror Dice order finally filled. It feels like it was about 10 years ago, but yeah, I finally did get those. You got that. And my double six dice, they didn't come right, but he quickly corrected that. And I'm sure Jeremy Soule, one of our favorite instrumentalists who just mentioned Guild Wars 2, I'm sure he's supplied that album to you that you backed. Moving on. Moving on. So anyway, customer service is key. Now, one of our good buddies, you know him from the Dukes of Dice. He went through a life-changing event, Alex Goldsmith. He is now over at Gray Fox Games and he is part of that. Okay, so Gray Fox, I did not back the expansions to one of our favorite games, Champions of Midgard, but I did donate a dollar just so I could get the enhanced wooden bits. Now, I have not received those yet. And Uh-oh. I was like, man, I was like, oh, that's okay. I understand. They are feeling the real customers, those people who actually back the full game, not the cheap people like myself who just want the extra cool wooden bits in the expansion because I really don't get to play that game as much, even though I like it a whole lot. I'll wait and see how things go. Maybe I'll buy it retail or something like that. Anyway, I sent him a note. I followed their instructions. And next thing I know, Alex is back. He says, hey, Tony, Alex here, buddy. Sorry about that. We will take care of you in a heartbeat. I'm getting engaged. So guys, I'm going to tell you right now. Duke Alex is behind the wheel over there at Gray Fox Games. So keep an eye out for their Kickstarters as well, because you know you got the man who's going to take care of you over there. And I really do appreciate that. I appreciate him reaching out to me. I mean, it was within a day. Thank you so much, Alex. I'm sure Alex just appreciates you throwing it out there.
1: By the way, if you have any
0: issues whatsoever at Gray
1: Fox Games, make sure to contact Alex and he'll take care of you. I'm sure he thanks you for that.
0: Hey, I'm, I'm trying to make sure the man stays busy in his new profession. Okay. <laughs>
1: At the beginning of the year, Tony, we always do our predictions for the year and uh, what we think is going to happen over 2017. And earlier this year, Tony, I said this. FFG will release and heavily promote an L5R RPG. That's right. I predicted that this year we would see The Legend of the Five Rings RPG announced. And guess what? Just last week, FFG announced they are doing the RPG. And this week, they're going to be releasing a beta version of that RPG so that people can start playtesting it and trying it out and checking it out. Now, granted, granted, that was not a stretch for a guess or a prediction because... The RPG and LCG were very tightly woven together. So the fact that there was the card game and no announcement of the RPG, okay, I figured it was going to be coming. Well, it is coming. And so even though I might not get our, my other predictions right, I did get this one. And I actually am very interested to see what they're going to do with this.
0: Yeah, I tell you what, why don't we stack it in behind Lord of the Rings, Star Trek, and then L5R RPG. Which is going to happen. It's going to happen.
1: Granted, I'm not saying that we throw it on the stack with all the other RPGs. I'm just saying I'm interested to see what they're going to do. How they integrate it with the card game is going to have that same uh, integration between the RPG and the card game. My only issue is, is uh, FFG is doing custom dice for their RPGs again. Why can't FFG just use standard off-the-shelf dice? What's so custom about Why can't You could probably color them or something. or is Well, it... it's just got custom icons and everything on it. But anyway... Hey, so far, I may be uh, only one for three, but I'm at least batting 333, and that's really good in baseball.
0: You thought I was done talking about vacations. Ha!
1: Fooled you. Golly bum. Can we just
0: move on? There is no oh, move Lord. on. Because we have got to start planning 2018 right now. Oh, this is going to happen. Time is of the essence. 2018 is going to be upon us. you got to get your air flights. I know six weeks out, but then you could lose out on the site and you get some red layover or multi-stop thing. I don't want to hear it, man. So you better get your input in because right now I am trying to convince Donna then not only should we do what she wants to do another cruise next year where to who knows where we're going to go but i am trying to convince her a rocky mountain gaming vacation because i had so much fun it was it was such a good time hiking in the mountains it's at park city utah this time they've got some restaurants that have been on diners drive-ins and dives we've got those here in charlotte yes we do have restaurants in charlotte but no 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 diners dive in and drive we got some of those from the show here in charlotte Yes, I know, Pinkies, and one of them went out of business. And and yes, I know, South 21. Really, South 21?
1: Look, I'm just saying you haven't got to go on a cruise or go on a trip to go visit those diners. We have them right here
0: in the backyard. But I'm sitting here thinking, if Rocky Mountain sells out fast... I got to convince her because he's redoing the whole structure. You can book your own hotel and just buy a badge ticket. Oh, there's so much we got to get planned from 2018. I'm telling you, man, you better get your bid in on what you think I should do. Which con do I need to go to? What are you telling me here?
1: I think we need to do Gen Con again.
0: I got to redeem myself of that strike tournament. I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear about the strike tournament. It's not all about the strike tournament. But really, Gen Con, we didn't get to play any games. I got to redeem myself. It's not all about you. Because obviously this whole segment's all
1: about you. I went on vacation. I went here. I'm awesome. I'm cool. You're just jealous. A little bit.
0: Is it all over, Rock? I guess so. The broken token all your gaming organization needs are right there on that webpage. If you haven't been out there lately, be sure to go check it out. They've got a ton of organizers that will help you get ready for the holidays that's right it's not too early to be looking for the holidays that gamer in your life that friend of yours especially if you don't bring them something from europe you might want to go out to the broken token and pick them up a small little smackerel of something be sure to check it out i know i'm waiting gloomhaven is right around the corner for me so i've got to get that organizer be sure to go check out thebrokentoken.com All right, Marty, at Gen Con, we got to see the artwork for the new, redesigned, rethemed, redone Osprey game from Martin Wallace, London. And we got to play it. Well, it wasn't re-themed. Okay, what would you call a re-theme?
1: Well, a re-theme is like taking a theme and changing it to something else. The theme is still exactly the same. We're trying to rebuild London after the Great London
0: Fire. Okay, but but we got rid of the map. There's no map to rebuild. There's no city. It's just a bunch of cards.
1: No, that is true. Yeah, in the first version of the game, you had a map and there's some area control and stuff, but that's not changing the theme. That's just trying to the game and some of the mechanics, but the theme is still the same.
0: See, I never got to play Martin Wallace, number one, London. Well, guess what? I never got to play Martin Wallace. Well, it's like a brand new game lunch. for us, isn't it?
1: <laughs> it is. I it is. And that's okay. I hate that we can't compare the two because there have been a lot of uh, t- not a lot of talk online comparing the two. And I think the biggest difference was the lack of the map. Because even when we played the other night, and I put it out on Twitter, people are saying, "Wow, that looks odd without the map being there." Because the board really now just consists of slots to put your cards that you're going to be buying over the course of the game for the purpose of building up your city. And running your city to try to generate some money and help deal
0: with poverty and, and poverty and rebuild London, because amazing enough, it's not the winner is who has the most money. No, uh, uh-uh. no, it's who has the most victory points. Yes, but they weren't called victory points. No, they weren't. They were prestige. Is that right? Am I, see, I'm beginning to get all the... See, maybe that's it. Maybe that's how they're going to trick me. I can no longer say <laughs> it's victory points, that people are going to call them different things. Yeah,
1: I, I know. I think they kind of trick us. On our, on our last show, we talked about shade spire. They were called glory points. Uh-huh. And now these are prestige points. So instead of calling them victory points anymore, people are coming up with new names. It's like, haha! see? It's not the person with the most victory points.
0: But you're right. At its heart, it's an engine builder with cards. Okay, executive summary for me real quick is, I really enjoyed it. I I don't know about you, but I I enjoyed it.
1: Yeah, and and so it's funny, Tony, when I saw this game and I thought, Engine Builder, that's That scene, you and I really connect or really match up on engine builders. We like our 51st State and our Imperial Settlers. We're looking forward to Alien Artifacts. It's just, there's something about the engine building game that I just really enjoy and I think for me, part of it's replayability. Because as we found with this game that once you play it once, maybe twice, even three times, you've got to learn what cards are going to be in that deck so you can build some sort of strategy. So you just can't play it once and go, okay, I know how to play this game, I'm good. No, this game takes multiple plays because even though the actions are very straightforward it's learning what cards will be available over the course of the game to build the best engine
0: that makes it the most efficient one of the key aspects of this game you know you have the main city cards the ones the a b and c decks of city cards but then the boroughs the ones that that it's the community that there's three out there and I think for me, Marty, when those boroughs change their order, or and they come out different, other than the three always starting cards, because I was concerned—I'll admit—I was concerned about ah, oh, if I know the same city cards and I'm going to build the same strategy. I think the boroughs that you can get really dictate how your strategy is going to play out throughout that game. For instance, we played with Scurry Reporter Mark Kale and Scurry Reporter Nate Bivens, and Mark had this thing going because there's poverty in this game where. At when you run your engine, you generate poverty um, based on the number of cards that are in your city, as well as the number of cards in your hand. And Mark was feeding off of that. And I think that was a key strategy for him where I'm sitting over there looking at, I was building up boroughs with streams to them and how I could generate the income with that. Cause certain cards said, Hey, your boroughs, if they're next to the river, you get money. And I think if I, as those change, it's going to change your whole strategy. And that, to me, was a sign of, all oh, this game's going to be the same strategy over and over and over and over again. But it's not. It depends on the boroughs. And also, I think the number of cards in your city will change. Because, you know, I was looking at cards that needed multiple browns out there, and I went crazy and built this huge city, which generated this huge poverty. So I think from the replayability, that's definitely there. I agree with you. So in short, I agree with you. Wow. That, no, that was not short. Uh, <laughs> yeah.
1: So on your turn, there's only like five actions you can do. And that's the simplicity of this game. You can draw cards. There's cards out there on the table that you can draw from or draw blindly from the deck. You can play cards to build your city. When you do that, uh, the city cards have uh, different color backgrounds and you have to discard a card of the same color for somebody else to be able to pick up. Much like an ethnos, there's no bad cards in this game. So sometimes you discard a card, somebody's going to be able to get it later. So you have to decide which one you want to get rid of but you have to discard a card of the same color to play a card of that color and there you can buy a borough, uh, which you said, and one, the last thing you could do is actually run your city. So once you have some cards in play, you can say, okay, I'm going to activate my city. To activate your city, you're just going to go any order that you want. There, your cards are lined up horizontally, but you can, you can activate them any way you want. And some of them will have a cost, like you must pay, maybe you have to discard a card or pay some money to activate this one. Some of them are one time only. Once you activate it, you flip it over. And the cards do various things. A lot of them give you prestige points a lot of them give you money some of them help get rid of poverty and you have to kind of put them together and decide when's the best time to run it because as you said tony the poverty to me is the most interesting mechanic of this game because the more city cards you have out the more poverty you generate The more cards you have in your hand when you run your city, the more poverty you generate. And poverty at the end of the game is worth the negative victory points. So it's this push-pull of how big do I make my city, because I know I'm going to be generating poverty when I run it, conflated with how small do I want to keep it. I won't have as many cards to run, but I won't be generating a lot of poverty. That, to me, is the most strategical part of the game.
0: Yeah. And I, I'm sorry, I, I misspoke with Mark. Mark had the popper, those cards that were did nothing, your killers, your you know, the cards that trash up your deck. He was using that type of a mechanism.
1: Yeah, he had a burrow that actually allowed him, if he had poppers in his hand, to be able to help get rid of some poverty and stuff. And what happens is when poverty uh popper cards are in play on the board, like you said, they're dead weight. In your hand, you can't discard them to play another card. They're just taking up Uh, hand space because you can only have nine cards in your hand.
0: Also, one of the interesting things I found for me was that once you got that mechanism going of, all right, so I've got to get collect cards in my hand, then I'm going to run my engine, and then I'm going to go build my burrow. That was what I was doing. That was my plan. Rinse and repeat, rinse and repeat. Now, you didn't do that. You had a different type of strategy, but I think you were kind of Along the same lines, but you you weren't buying the burrows. So I wasn't really sure what you were up to over there.
1: Well, one of my burrows was basically you uh, disregard the number of cards you have in your hand when you run your engine and only take two poverty. So I was sitting there thinking, I can have nine cards in my hand, and it won't matter. I'll always only get to poverty when I run my engine. So it gave me a lot of choices with cards in my hand. But what I found was, you guys were buying burrows when I weren't. And when you buy a burrow, there's instant actions right then and there. And usually they're good. It's drawing cards. It's getting rid of poverty. It's getting some prestige. I was missing out on that component. Look, it's one of those things, like I said, once we got to the end of the game and I realized what you guys did, what I did... It's like, I'm ready to play again. I have a different idea. I have a different strategy I want to do. The mechanics of the game are super straightforward. You only have five actions you're going to do. The game is going to end when you go through the deck. Like you said, there's A, B, and C city cards. They get progressively better, but also cost more as you get through the deck. But once that deck is empty, play one more round. Then the game is over, and then you count up victory points at the end. But the poverty aspect also comes again in at the end, because what's cool is, you gain poverty at the end for the number of cards you have in your hand. But what's neat is the person with the lowest amount of poverty gets rid of all their poverty and everybody else subtracts that amount of poverty from their existing poverty pool. So for example, if I was the lowest with five, I would get rid of five, and then everybody else will subtract five from their poverty, and then look at this little chart that's on the board to show how many negative points they're going to have based on the poverty they have remaining.
0: Right, and every three money you have, you get to add prestige to your victory points as well. Now that that little card thing at the end kind of bit you in the butt, didn't it? It did. I had
1: too many cards in my hand, and I was freaking out because, like I said. Once the deck is empty, the game is going to end. So I was frantically trying to get cards out of my hand, but I had to have matching colors to be able to discard a card to play a card and I couldn't pull it off. Then Nate pulled the trigger and the game was over and I was like, "Uh oh, and it really hurt. So again, you got to have some planning. You got to keep an eye on the deck. When's the game going to end and decide just like, okay, I can't, I can't afford to draw any more cards. I need to get the cards out of my hand. I need to run some engines. I need to get rid of poverty. I got to generate some money because the game's almost over.
0: But one thing about the burrows is when you buy that burrow, it over covers up your previous burrow and any special actions on that. But that bit me in the butt because I was like, oh man, I really don't want to cover this one up. And oh yeah, it was, it was so good to sit there and constantly be adjusting the engine because halfway through it, my engine had to change. I had went from generating money with brown cards to saying, "Okay, I need blue and pink cards now." I like that. I enjoyed that mechanism of being able to change the engine halfway through the game and not feel like I was going to be punished. Now, there's some, yeah, there, there was some things in there that I'm not sure about. I'm not sure I thought about it right. There's still these little nits. Like there was cards that you couldn't flip. Now, cor- correct me if I'm not. If like I had one card that was a heavy victory point because. Certain cards, when you build your city, have victory points on the bo- on the bottom of them that you get to count towards your victory point. Look at me. Prestige that you get to add in as well, right? Right. So when if that card doesn't get flipped, can you cover it back up to flip it? Kind of like you do in, say, Imperial Settlers, you know, where you have to raise a building. No, 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 that, you, no. In
1: fact, we didn't talk about that. So there, when you play your card, you can start a new stack of cards or play it on an existing stack of cards. You just cover the one that's there, but you don't lose the points. Basically, those cards are there with the victory points that aren't doing anything. They're just there at the end of the game to generate victory points. But what you probably want to do at that point is just cover it up with another card. So
0: you don't have to flip it to cover it up, like you have to raise a building in Imperial Settlers. That's correct. You do not. And I had one of those. And later when I got home that evening, I was like, oh, man, I could have flipped that one over. It was dead weight. And I wanted to Mm -hmm. play another city card, but I didn't want to start another stack, which I knew would add more poverty to my freaking engine, which I didn't want to do either because Nate's over there really keeping the poverty low. And I'm like, oh, man, this is going to hurt me. But in the end... I was first loser.
1: <laughs> yeah, I know. I was, I was dead loser. Yeah. We've talked about the stacks. People are like, why would you stack up cards? Because the number of stacks you have when you run your engines, the number of poverty that you're going to generate. So you may not want to have a single card for every, uh, a stack, you may want to say, you know what? This stack is no longer doing any good. I'm going to put a card on top of it, thus not generating an extra poverty at the end. So let's go ahead and talk about some of the, maybe the thing, the little nitpicky things. Tony, t- one of the nitpicky things with me was the iconography and some of the graphic design on the cards. It took us a little while to understand what was going on because some of the cards, the background would generate, would tell you like, the well, a darker background with money means you have to pay. A lighter background means you get money. There's different sections of the cards to, well, you got to put it in... To you got to pay this cost to put it into play, and then there's a, maybe another cost in there to actually run the engine. There was just a, the car was kind of busy. Once you got used to it, we understood it, but for a, quite a, a few times, we kept re- referring to the rule book to make sure we understood what the cards were telling us.
0: Here's a kicker in the rule that was. You always draw at the beginning of your turn a card. Somehow, somebody missed that in our uh, first play through, okay, our first round, and we had to restart the whole thing. So that was kind of a key mechanism, because when we first started, when we didn't do that, we were like, man, that deck's going to last forever. No. That that was a big rule that we had to get right. but for, And I like that. I'm glad we found that because at first that was going to be a negative for me. But hey, we played it wrong. Imagine that.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so it's amazing. We play it wrong the first time. I was like, let's play it again and play it right. Yeah, uh, the purpose of drawing a card every round is basically that's your, your clock. Uh, but you can draw a card from the deck or draw a card from the board. Yeah. And uh, we didn't mention this, that there's only so many slots on the board. And if those fill up and you have to discard a card, you actually wipe a whole row of cards and they go out of the game another thing that we kind of had an issue with too and nate really had an issue with this were those particular cards that were like an action card like they were a person and when you put it into play it was almost like a free action hey you're going to get to uh play this card and you get to draw a few cards and play it for free and then discard this one there were only like five or six of those in the deck we were kind of wondering why were those in there? Why those need to be in there? Because those were super powerful if you happen to get one in your hand.
0: Yeah, but I think on some of the videos I saw or read some things that it was an adjustment from previous, but not having played the first one, really don't know. I didn't mind that as much. I didn't have an issue with those cards because there weren't that many in the game. But because the game was so good, we will be playing it again. Oh, multiple times.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we, we played it a, a couple times and now I'm like anxious to play it again. Graphic design is really uh, nice. The The art on it is uh, really, the, uh, really great looking art. The cards are super thick, they have a linen feel, high quality. Some people don't like the cover of the box. I like it. It's just a plain greenish type box with just a simple picture London on it. It's not a lot of uh, artsy, colorful stuff. I kind of like it. It looks regal. Uh, Some people didn't like it. I do like that. So I do like the the graphic design of the game. I do like the art and the components are are really nice.
0: Yeah. So it doesn't grab you on the shelf. Once you buy it off the shelf, once you listen to everybody talk about the game and you get the game, do you really care about the box art? Now, we almost had an event during this playthrough. We almost had the Cider House London version. And that's because Marty almost spilled a drink again, didn't you? I did. You don't remember that? I thought it was you. Somebody almost spilled the the. I, it must not. It must not have been me
1: this time because I, I don't remember doing that. So
0: maybe it was somebody else. Because we were playing at the main cable at Carolina Tabletop. You know, we had taken the leaves off, and mm-hmm. the drink holder right there. The drink holders on that table are elevated. They're not deep well. You know, and I think some, I I know it wasn't. Coke Zero Sugar didn't get spilled. That was mine. Put, <laughs> my, anyway, I'm like, you know what? These not deep well holders for drinks. I, that's what I'm liking that about, you know, game toppers. You know, Berkey's thing where he has it on the side. Kind of like your um, Geek Chic, which no longer makes tables. They're on the side down there that keep you from doing that. And I like that, that you have that capability, you know, which, by the way, game toppers I'm backing, but that's a that was a given.
1: <laughs> well, no, yeah, I know what you're saying. The, uh, uh, w- the table we were playing on, the actual rail has a real recessed well for putting a drink, but uh, it easily could be toppled over with Berkey's uh, game toppers. You actually set the drink down farther into the well so that the center of gravity is way up on the bottle so it won't be easy to knock over and it's below the table surface.
0: Right, and I mean, I like how it's modular and you can put in either the wine glass or whatever, the cup holders like you have on your table. And why did I go down this? is because... Because I thought it was gonna be a funny story about you spilling a drink again, but I was wrong. That's okay. We'll just blame someone else for that. That's okay. Okay, let's summarize London. Let's let's say what we think about it if we haven't already said it. I like the game. It's heavy, it's it's much more neat than any other game. <laughs> than any other game. Than any other game. Nah. Um, as far as the engine builders go, you know, 51st state will always be my top engine builder. I really enjoy that game. But London is right there below it.
1: Yeah. And uh, aside from the couple of nitpicky things, I'm always like, you know me, I'm like, what's different about this game? It's the poverty mechanics. It's the balancing of, oh boy, I can build a huge city and do all this cool stuff. But the bigger it is, the more poverty you generate. And you have to find a way through running your engine, buying burrows to get rid of that poverty or it's going to really hurt you. That's the reason it does elevate it, it a little bit for me. And it's the reason why after we were all done, we all looked at each other and go, let's play again. And all of us, even when we were done later the next day are talking, I can't wait to play London again because the rules are simple. Again, it's just learning the cards. You may go into that game every single time with a different strategy. Uh, Osprey, I'm glad you brought this game out. I, I wish I could compare it to the first edition, see how it compared, but I like it the way it is. And it's going to be coming out really soon. Hopefully at Essen. essence. Big game coming from Portal to Essen is Alien Artifacts, and you can still get it. You can pick it up there, but also coming out this week is First Martian. Sure, you may have pre ordered it and got it, or maybe you got it at Gen Con, but if you miss that, you'll be able to go out to your store. And this has been a big release week for Portal as they've released a new update to the app, they've released new, new scenarios. Ignacy's trying to get you primed for the release so don't forget you can go to your store get first martians if you're at Essen you can get alien artifacts it'll be available in your store soon after that and if you want to find out more you can check out portalgames.pl 5 minute initiative begins in 3 2 one. At Gen Con, Tony and I got to see a preview of a game coming out of Essen from Plan B Games called... It's either Azul or Azul. I like saying Azul because it reminds me of Azul from from Ghostbusters and there's a lot of jokes around that. But anyway, uh, this is an abstract game with the theme of There was a king in Spain who wanted to decorate his palace with some tiles, and so he was going to put tiles up in his palace. And thus, the purpose of this game is to be able to get some tiles out of a pool and put them onto your board for the whole purpose of generating, oh boy. It's victory points.
0: Hey, hey, he's he's doing a mosaic. Let's be—he's uh, doing a floor mosaic. You know, he's competing with the Greeks, the Romans. you are trying to make a beautiful mosaic floor.
1: That's it. That's what you're doing. To me, it reminds me of like an app—an app of like Bejeweled or Candy Crush, as you're trying to manipulate tiles and get them into a certain place on a board so it, it generates points. On your turn, you're going to be able to pick up tiles that's on the board. You start out with a number of little market circles that have four tiles per market, and what you're going to do is you're going to pick up all the same color from that tile and push the others to the center. Once there's tiles in the center, you can also pick up all the same color of the tiles from the center of the table and then the rest of them just stay there. And then you put them on your board. During the first phase of the game, uh, you're basically trying to fill in, there's a five row uh, grid on your tableau that has one square at the top, then two, then three, all the way down to five squares. And when you pick up those tiles, you must put all of them in one of those rows. If you can't fit all of them into a row, they fall down to the floor, which will generate negative points during the scoring. Once all the tiles have been claimed by everybody, you go to the scoring phase. If a row has is full of tiles, you'll take the rightmost tile and slide it over to that mosaic grid that's on the right-hand side, which is a five by five. Each row has one of the five colors. You slide it over to the matching color on there, and then you'll score a victory point. If you move it over and it's by itself, you get one point. If it connects to an existing row, you count all the tiles on that row, you get points. If it connects to a, a column, you you count all those in those and get points. And this is going to go until somebody has a row of a completed row of five in their grid. And then you're going to count the most victory points and you win. That's really it in a nutshell. But like a lot of cool abstract games, the rules are simple, but it's hard to master.
0: Okay, I'm going to summarize it in Tony's speak here. All you're trying to do is screw your neighbor over. Because you, <laughs> you want to force him, while you're trying to build your tile up, you're trying to say, okay, I've got to take these so that other people are going to be forced to have those tiles fall at the bottom and take negative or not be able to complete because you got to carry those stupid tiles over to the next round. If you don't complete a row, it's a puzzly game that you got to get the strategy, right? I need to fill this row, but am I going to give Marty whatever's left over? And then he's going to be able to do this really hard row. Am I setting him up so that he can score all these other points? Oh man, you got to really think through this. It's very, it's not chess-like in the complexity, but you really do need to take multiple steps ahead on which which deal you want to do, which row you want to do, how you want to build it, how you want to score your points. And you gotta think through that because on the next round, not all the spent tiles go back in the bag to be pulled out again. They're in the box to be discarded. So you, you gotta think through that. You got to see what's going what the potential is because there were times that certain ones came out and we were like, oh crap, the wrong ones came out and matched up wrong. Very fun game, very quick game. Boom, Tony, seal of approval. <laughs> With a minute 10 left, you've already given it the seal of Well, you spent two and a half minutes reading the freaking rules. <laughs> okay.
1: Uh, I'm glad you hit on the aspect of the stick it to your neighbor because you would think in an abstract game like this is very solitarish. It's not. Once you've played this game, gosh, I've played, I don't know, six, seven times now, you start to look around at the other people that are playing and realize boy, if I take these particular colors, I'm going to screw him over and he don't have a place to put that particular color. Because once a tile, a color tile goes into the right-hand side where you score, that row can no longer take that particular color. And you can realize, oh, that guy can't afford to take any more reds, especially at the end of the game when all the slots are filling up. Then it is just, oh, there's a lot of backstabbing at that point, but that's the brilliance of this game. There's the puzzly part of trying to make sure that you try to complete columns and you're trying to get all five of a color in there because they're worth 10 points at the end or if you can complete an entire column, you get an additional points. You're trying to satisfy this all up front to get it, but all while I'll try to screw your neighbor. And Tony, the components, oh, those tiles are gorgeous.
0: Yeah, but I want to quickly, before we run out of time, backstabby. It's not a mean backstabby. Yes, you're going to go after each other, but you don't feel vindictive when you do it. So that's what my wife will like about this. She doesn't feel mean from it.
1: Yeah. The components top notch. In fact, I had people say that if it didn't have the nice little tiles in it, they had no interest if it was just cardboard chits. This is going to be coming out of Essen. I think this is one of those that could be up for an award next year because it's easy to play, abstract, quick play, 30 minutes. Yeah. I've played this game a lot and I'll continue to play it more in the future. Five minute initiative is complete.
0: One other thing about my vacation. Oh, my gosh. Come on. Are you serious? It was so freaking neat. There. I'm back. You got to love it. Do I? No, you don't. You don't have to love it at all. But, oh, uh, man, I don't know if anybody... Do you think anybody will notice how rusty I was? Man, I was rusty tonight.
1: Yeah, the was, thing was, was how they come out and hopefully hear about some
0: games. All you did was talk about the trip. Didn't hear much about the games. We got them in there here and there, but that's all right. I'm good with that. But... More importantly, there is going to be a contest, so be sure to check that out uh, Restoration Games. That's going to be a hard one to figure out.
1: And we're going to be doing another contest when we hit 10,000 followers on Twitter, and we're not that far away. And I'll just go ahead and tell you it has something to do with massive darkness. Okay. Uh, yeah. So once we hit 10,000 followers on Twitter, we'll be doing that. We actually did. I did actually get to play this really cool little party game. Now, Tony, I know that, uh, you're not big, maybe necessarily in the party games, but listen, listen to this one. This may be something you might, you and your group might be interested in. Cmon Games has just released a game called Dream On. This is a co-op game from anywhere from, uh, it's either two or three up to eight players. Very simple concept. You have all these cards that have pictures on them. Everybody gets three cards in their hand. Somebody is initiated to start the game. And what you're trying to do is you're trying to tell a story. The idea is like you had a dream last night and you're telling your friends about the dream. And there's a timer and you have so many, you have like two minutes to tell your dream. And what you do is you flip over the top card and whatever the picture is, you start the dream. So say it was a cow. It's like, I had a dream. I had i was there was a cow standing out in the field. At that point in time, anybody can take one of the cards in their hand with a picture and put it on top of that and continue the story. It's like, well, maybe it's a picture of a tree. That cow was standing underneath the tree. And then they draw a card to replace that. And this keeps going around and you keep telling this story and the stack of cards keep building up. When the timer is ends, whoever the last one to place the card takes those deck of cards and turns them upside down. So they're the one on top now is the first thing that was told. That person must retell the dream, Tony. You do it as a way to get points. If that person can retell the dream, they tell the dream and flip over the card and see if they're right. And if they are, they get two points. If they get stuck, they can ask a friend to say, what was the next part of the dream about? And if you get help and you're right, you get a point. But if you're tell a part of the story and you flip over a card and it's wrong or you forgot something, it's worth minus two. Once you go through the entire stack, you add up all your points and then there's a little scale that you can compare yourself against to see how well you did. This game plays in like five minutes. And we played it the other night uh, with uh, my son, Adam and his girlfriend, and it was the funniest thing because you come up with these wild crazy stories that somebody then has to remember. It's one of those games that sets up and running in 15, 20 seconds. You take it down to 15, 20 seconds.
0: This is really cool. I think you might need to check this one out. My memory, my short-term memory. Yeah, this is going to go well with me.
1: No, I I agree. And And it is tough to try to memorize all the things, but that's where you can get other people to help you out. If you can, and what was so weird is people go off on these tangents and tell these really odd stories. And it can either go one of two ways, either it's so bizarre, you remember it, or it's so bizarre that you can't keep track of anything. You almost want to tell a very coherent story so that you can retell it uh, exactly. But what happened, we would play and somebody throw in this weird twist, like uh, also out of left field, like a leprechaun shows up. It's like, what did that come from? Now, for some people that might trigger, oh, this is where the leprechaun came in. But for me, I'm like. Uh, I don't remember what happened after this. It's like a leprechaun. A leprechaun. Why is there a leprechaun in this dream?
0: But anyway, <laughs> yeah. it's
1: it's really fun to play over and over, and you try to keep getting a higher score every time you play. This is going to be coming out soon from C it, It's a really cute little game.
0: Oh, I'm sure it is. I mean, I remember when Pete was telling us about it over at Gen Con. It sounded really neat, and you kept yelling, doing the Dream On song. Dream on, Dream on, like that. Yeah, I know, I know, I know. I know. I know. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I know what you did. That's that's okay. I'll let you get Well, I'm just
1: was trying to refresh your memory. In case you forgot, because you said you have a tor- short-term memory, I said, dream on!
0: Dream yeah. on! Like that. Question. Yes. Answer. Will, will we run a contest when I reach 10,000 subscribers on in Instagram? I mean, that's, we'll have to be podcasting for the next 15 years. I was going to say, we sure can, but I don't know if we're going to be around that long. I hope so. I hope to collect uh, Social Security. Oh,
1: oh, speaking of which, I almost forgot. Thank you for bringing this up. Thank you. I have a bone to pick with you. What? So you're telling me all these awesome things you did on your vacation. So, hey, what am I going to do? Let's see what Tony's doing. Let's go out to the Instagram page and check up and see what kind of pictures Tony's been posting from Amsterdam and this awesome store and this Stroopwafel thing that he was telling us about. There ain't no pictures. I didn't know you went on trip. You may not have gone on a trip because I had not
0: seen any pictures. You could be making all this up. Why didn't you post any pictures? Two reasons. Two. Ah, here we go. One, two. Here we go. Reason number one, I didn't have Wi-Fi until I was on the boat and that was Satellite. And I tried to post one time, and it just chugged and chugged. It was like I was at a 300 bald speed modem. I'm like, forget this. I'm not dealing with this anymore. Number two, and I told you this, and you obviously didn't forget because you brought it up here. Right before I went on my trip, Duke Energy put encryption on all of our phones to, so we could get our emails. I have an S4, and the encryption software likes to reset the password at 60 days. But... Everybody. Oh, shut up. Just listen to me. Anyway, so when it does that on the 60th day, it starts doing it every 24 hours until I can call customer service and get them to reestablish the passwords. And guess what they did? They fried. I got a brick for a phone. I didn't have my cell phone. I had to put my SIM card in Adana's old S4 and it didn't have any of the software loaded. Nothing. So boom, that's why it is. You touched the nerve with stupid duke. Oh, man, I just spit all over my mic. See what you did to me? All I heard was blah, 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 excuse. Blah, 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 excuse. I did try to post one, and it was where I was in the um, Brave New World, and it was all the portal games in German. Uh, I was going to post something cute. like Even over here, I don't understand what we're doing. So anyway. But I don't know. I, I, it was it was cute what I was gonna post, and then it, never mind. But yeah,
1: uh, yeah, I'm sure it was. Yeah, what, what it could have, should have, right? I'm glad I didn't bring you anything.
0: <laughs> Wait a minute, hold on, stop. What do you mean you didn't bring me anything? You didn't bring me a gift? I figured this. If I wanted to bring you stroopwaffles, I'd go to Aldi and pretend they came from Amsterdam. Say no, here no, you go. We, uh, there's a lot of other stuff over there you could have brought me. We're
1: having lunch tomorrow, and you ain't bringing me anything. This is bogus, man.
0: Speaking of, hey, there's a 50 pound limit on luggage. And I was gone for 15 days. I had to pack 15 pounds of underwear because I wasn't going to wash anything. What? I don't want to hear it. So, I mean, goodness gracious. Oh, did I tell you that while I was there, you mentioned a cow? We went to a dairy to see how cheese was made in um, Holland. Is it made different than it is made here? Well, this was a pure organic farm. But did you know those cows were not wearing any bells? Okay. They needed more cowbell. Thank you and keep rolling dice. Oh my gosh. Alright, one more thing before we go. Hey, Arcane
1: Wonders has hooked up uh, with Rooster Teeth, which is this massive production company on YouTube, and you might know them from making uh, the Red vs. Blue uh, videos, which is based on like the uh, the Halo games. have been making them for years. they got millions of subscribers. They also have a very popular anime series called uh, Ruby Combat, and Arcane Wonders has joined up uh, with those guys in order to create a game that's currently on Kickstarter called Ruby Combat, and they Sent us a a deck, a small deck of cards, to show us how the combat works, because that's the kind of the unique aspect of it. Uh, During each round, you're, you're facing off. You're playing one of the characters in the cartoon, playing against one of the villains. And the idea is that the villain deck uh, has stances. And when you look at the top of the villain deck, there's a certain stance, maybe it's aggressive or it's just kind of, you know, it looks like it's taking it easy. And it kind of gives you a hint of what that attack may be that's coming up. And from that, you take a card from your hand, maybe to counter that type of stance. Now it's not always necessarily the stance that they'll do could be, ha ha, I tricked you. I did something else, but it's a way to kind of, uh, build like a, a, a strategy type thing, almost like in, um, like in your fighting games like when you kind of notice how they're standing or uh the stance are you may want to see how do i want to counter this how do i want to attack them and you're kind of doing that with cards and while you're doing you'll flip over a card they flip over a card. the villain flips over a card whoever's the higher strength wins uh if you win you get battle fury and even you, when you build up battle fury it does more damage but if you ever lose a combat all oh, that battle fury is gone but then the rest of the people aren't just sitting there uh, on their hands. They get to engage, too. They can also play cards in their hand to assist. They can play cards in their hand maybe take on one of the minions that the villain may have in play. So it's this really neat combat system. And if you want to go uh, learn more about it, go out to the Kickstarter page. They have a video out there kind of showing how the combat works. And, Tony, I must admit, I, uh, I'm i one of those people that wasn't part of the millions and millions of people that know the... the um, the cartoon uh, Ruby Combat, I'd never heard of it. I am probably a fantastic show. I've just happened to never see it. So I was just interested in the mechanics of the game. So I didn't really know the characters or anything that well. But the combat mechanic is kind of a little cool little back and forth concept uh, that you're doing based on like trying to guess what that next car is going to be and how do I counter the move they're getting ready to make. So it's it's worth checking out. Right now it's around 300000 on Kickstarter. It has funded. Uh, so
0: go check that out. Once again, to your point. Kickstarter making the money, got the IPs behind it. That's pretty cool. That you know, well, I mean, there are some really big Kickstarters out there. Which brings me to another point. What the heck is on your face? What is with this beard thing? What's going on here?
1: Uh, okay, so yes, uh, while you were gone, I grew a a small a small uh, beard, and the reason why is my wife Vanessa said, "Hey, I think you might look uh, pretty good in a beard. Why don't you grow a beard?" And when your woman says. Hey, I think you might look good in a beard. You grow a beard. And then you do it and you go, what do you think? And she says, I like that. And if she says you like it, you keep it. So there it is. And then one day she may say, "That get that horrible thing off your face and then it will disappear.
0: Now, are you going to keep it tight or are you going to let it go all uh, Lance undead Viking or meister stuff? Uh, no, I'm not. I'm not doing Duck Dynasty beard here. It's
1: I want to keep like a very close and that's and she likes that too so i've got like a little trimmer and so i've had a trimmer for a while that keeps it like at a you know like a number two keeping it short and very clean cut that's that's what i wanted so like i said if you're if your lady you know likes that thing you, you try to please the lady which is what i'm trying to do at this point
0: point. and you know what i thought it was what as you get older you don't have to shave as often so i thought maybe you were already crossing that bridge. Mm. Mm-hmm. That is, that is true. That is true. But no, I still shave daily
1: because I do try to keep it very clean and very clean lines and everything. I just don't have to shave as much.
0: I was like, "What's this on his? Oh man, look at that picture of him in the S and E. What is that? Well, why don't you grow one? Let's see what you got, big boy." Because there is no way I would look good. And I tried. I tried a mustache when I was in college, and that came off quick. That so <laughs> I, I was not a Tom Selleck. That was for sure. All right. Well, keep rolling dice. Wow, that was really abrupt, wasn't it? <laughs> oh, well, I mean, I'm yeah. looking at the time. I'm like, I'm tired. I'm spinning. Yeah, I mean, I've been on vacation. Did you know? I've been oh on vacation? my gosh, yes. Oh, t- please, and taking names. Please, just get out of here.
1: Thanks for listening. If you'd love to help us out, please give us a review on iTunes. Please join our BGG Guild at 1589. You can follow us on Twitter at Dyson Names and join our Facebook page at Roll Dice Take Names. know, I 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 I know,
0: I know, I Marty, our buddy, Nick, FunAgain.com. He's going over to Essen. He is going to be muling stuff back. I bet he doesn't have to worry about the 50-pound limit on his luggage. He can bring it all home. That's exactly right. And so if you haven't gone out to FunAgain.com, be sure to go do it because they are putting together the pre-order list from Essen. You don't have to wait those many, 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 I know, I know, I know, months to get your games back over. (laughs) (laughs) They will come as soon as he gets back. That's right. So be sure to go out and pre-order at funagain.com. The SN Muling service is taking orders as we speak.